0: Mitchell now blitz on again, floats it up, and
1: running room here. This could be a touchdown. It will be a touchdown for Don Jackson. Goodbye, Terry Williams. Goodbye. It's a touchdown. Oh, my. Calgary, what a response. Red and white redemption in Edmonton. The
2: Stamps are champs again. It is the Season 2 finale of CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network Canada-wide. I'm Andy McNamara. Oh my, the Grey Cup, it's done. The season is over. Can you believe it, folks? The journey that started with us all the way back in June has now concluded, and the Calgary Stampeders are your 106th Grey Cup champions. What a great show we have for you today. We'll talk with Beat reporter for the Stampeders from the Calgary Sun, Danny Austin. Follow that up with our TSN CFL insider, Dave Naylor, and terrific CFL.ca columnist, Matthew Cause, to wrap up the season. And look ahead, because guess what, folks? The regular season's done. The Grey Cup is done. There is going to be a hectic offseason. You know what's not hectic, though? If you're a little bummed out of the CFL season being over, go get yourself some Domino's pizza, because... It's always a good time to get Domino's, but especially this week because it's my favorite week. It's 50% off week, people, 50% off any regular priced Domino's menued pizza at Domino's.ca. Very simple. This is what you do. You go to Domino's.ca, you get one pizza, two, three, four, five, whatever amount of pizza you want, whatever size you want, however many toppings you want, 50% off, but only until this Sunday. Go early, go often, Domino's.ca. CA. And man, uh I, to to go through that journey with both of those teams, how each club had to overcome different scenarios and just really see what they had for for the stamps, of course, it was all about were you going to choke another one away? Could you win the big one? For Trevor Harris off of that historic six touchdown Eastern Final, could he get over the hump? Could he do it one more time? Harris a disappointing one touchdown, three interception against a real nasty real good stampeder's defense the turf was slippery wasn't idea you saw guys slipping and sliding all over the place stamps eventually of course won it 27 to 16 and that's 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 where it ended like it it wasn't as as uh, i guess dramatic as a couple years ago when these two teams played, of course, but it was still a real good game. And TSN's Chris Cuthbert and Glenn Suter, who called the matchup on TSN, spoke about the Stamps' win and Ottawa's season. It's time for three downs on CFL Weekly with Andy McNamara,
0: bringing you inside the largest headlines around the Canadian Football League. First down. Dave Dickinson hoists the
1: Grey Cup, and the Calgary Stampeders are the champions of 2018. You know, Suits, uh, when we get a chance to talk to the players, uh, there is a common theme about overcoming adversity, but I'm not sure Calgary's ever faced more and gone on to win a Grey Cup title. Well, you know, whether it's in in football or in life, adversity has a way of hardening you. It has a way of, of making you, forcing you to cut out all that doesn't matter and sharpen your focus on what does. And this was a different journey for Calgary. Calgary went through so many injuries, especially in their receiving corps, were so resilient, and no longer have to answer that question. Can you finish? They finished this one. Congratulations to the organization, to John Huffnagel, all the way on down. They earned it. it should- 12 guys celebrating tonight had lost the last two nine i believe are celebrating for the very first time and nobody's celebrating in ottawa except if you can step back and exactly. assess what they've done in the last five years well five years three first place finishes in the east division three great cup appearances they won one two years ago in 16. they battled hard here in this game tonight and they just came up against a team that was destined to win this football game and, and end that discussion and that, that question is whether or not Calgary could finish. But, you know, hands, good job by the Ottawa Red Blacks. Their season, they've built for success, sustained success. Marcel Desjardins, Rick Campbell, tremendous integrity in that
2: organization all the way through to Trevor Harris and that football team. All right, and moving on to second down in three downs. It is a Bo Levi Mitchell right on the field after the win with Sarah Lefsky of of TSN, and this is right after the victory, so full of emotion. Second down.
1: Every journey has a different story for it. Your second great cup with everything that you guys have been through, what will you relish most about this win? Just being with my teammates. Uh, I got the best team
3: in
0: the world, the best organization in the world. This is a true team at tonight. Defense won a championship tonight. God, I feel amazing, man. I love these teams. I love this fan. I love our city we were bringing that cup back home, baby.
1: Said defense was such a storyline, but all three phases contributing. Was this the ultimate team win?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, all, all three phases. So many times Deontay Spencer could have got him on the edge and, and scored a touchdown. And there's one guy there to make a tackle, and that's what wins you a great cup. These guys having that great cup effort every single play until the clock hits zero.
1: We saw a couple of interceptions at the end there. What goes through your mind as the time is winding down?
0: Oh, man, it just all starts setting in. Uh, just all the work, uh, the failure that we've learned from, and uh, to get back on top it just feels
1: absolutely
2: amazing. Congratulations. Thank bro. you so much. Great coach, jail! And moving on to third down, we go back to the CFL and TSN play-by-play team of Chris Cuthbert and Glenn Suter to now look ahead to some of the off-season storylines. Third down.
1: So we've completed an 87-game journey. It's always interesting. Can you reflect uh, not only back but ahead now to what should be a very eventful next month? And we say hello to the fans in Halifax. Looking forward to uh, progress on that department uh, after being named the Athletic Scooters officially on Friday night. Well, you know, first of all, hats, hats off to the Edmonton Eskimos, the Edmonton organization, the Edmi- the city of Edmonton for taking the festival up a notch outstanding performance all week long by the city of Edmonton the commissioner has some challenges in front of him this offseason he's got to work with the cfl players association and get a new cba a new collective bargaining agreement put together and try and do that before free agency where a lot of top name quarterbacks will be on the market and he will continue to work to make this game safer for the players but Boy, we're in good hands with Randy Ambrosi and the future is bright when you consider, as you mentioned, Chris, that on the horizon is the Atlantic Schooners football team to make this a true 10-team league from coast to coast. And he said it in his press conference.
2: It's a matter of when, not if. I can't wait to see. What happens in the future? So there you go. Great call on the TV side. And, of course, Rod Black, our buddy on the radio side as well. Domino's Pizza, by the way, folks, if you're listening on the radio, official first down sponsor of the radio call for the 106th Grey Cup. So how cool is that? I want to get to our Twitter poll question because now, okay, stamps are winners. Ottawa, really, okay, you lost. You have a terrific chance to get back to the Grey Cup because, really, as it stands right now, let's be honest, still a two-horse race. In the East, it's Hamilton, it's Ottawa, and if you win it, you get that buy. So Toronto doesn't have a head coach, they don't really have a quarterback, that's all up in the air. Montreal, well, you know, you got Johnny Manziel, we don't know what to expect out of that. So the East, very much still two-horse rates at this time, but there's plenty of off-season storylines. And that brings us to our at Domino's Canada Twitter poll question. You can vote at AndyMC81 on Twitter, at AndyMC81. What offseason CFL storyline are you most interested in following? What off-season CFL storyline are you most interested in following? Is it QB movement, so quarterback movement, CFL rule changes, head coach hirings and firings, or the Maritimes expansion project? They got a name, the Atlantic Schooners. We'll talk about that with Dave Naylor in a little bit. But that process has now moved forward one extra step. Still a ways away. But which offseason CFL storyline are you most interested in following? Quarterback movement, CFL rule changes, head coach hiring, firing, maritime's expansion. Because heads could still roll for coaches. Toronto needs to hire a head coach. The quarterback movement possibilities is fascinating. And I don't think we've seen it at this potential level in the CFL, at least in the time I've been covering the team for the last number of years. Because... Bo Levi Mitchell could go to the NFL. Mike Riley's a free agent. He, he lives. His family's in, on the West Coast in the U.S. Does B.C.? The Lions make sense for him. What about Travis Luley, Jonathan Jennings, Toronto, Ricky Ray? Is he going to retire? Do you bring him back? Toronto's wide open at quarterback. Johnny Manziel still there is he? They have like four or five quarterbacks on the roster now with the Alouettes. How about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Are you going to go back to Zach Caleros after that year? I don't know. That, to me, is the most fascinating storyline, the QB movement. But you can vote at AndyMC81. What offseason CFL storyline are you most interested in following? QB movement, CFL rule changes, head coach hiring, firing, or Maritimes expansion. We're going to step aside and get to Stampeders beat reporter for the Calgary Sun, Danny Austin, and go over the season that was everything they had to overcome on the injury side, on offense. And finally... Shaking it, not losing three straight Gray gray Cups. We'll chat with the CFL champion beat writer for the Calgary Stampeders. It's Danny Austin next on CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Hungry? Domino's has you covered. Grab any medium feast pizza for only $10.99 or dive into our delivery and carryout specials at dominoes.ca. Domino's is more than just pizza. Try our delicious side dishes like pasta and chicken wings and don't forget our irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Perfect food for the big game if you're in a hurry or just because. Check out all the great deals at dominoes.ca. That's Domino's.ca. Rolling along here on CFL Weekly Season 2 finale episode across Canada on the TSN Radio Network. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at AndyMC81, Instagram at Andy MC Sports. If you missed any of the show or want to go back and check out some of the great interviews and conversations we had throughout the year, you can find us on iTunes, also the TSN1050.ca show page or really any of your local radio stations should have it on their show page tab and then just scroll down and find it CFL Weekly. I'll tweet out the link as well at Andy MC81. And folks, it's Delivered by Domino's. The show all season delivered by Domino's are good buddies. We've given away pizza. And they're practically giving away pizza like we have all season because it's fifty percent off week. Yes. Canada wide wherever you are hearing this in Canada 50% off any regular Priced menu pizzas online at dominoes.ca. So, all you do, go to dominoes.ca, pick out your pizza or pizzas. It can be as many as you like, whatever size you want, however many toppings you want. Load up, go nuts, have a great time with it. Dominoes.ca, it's 50% off, but only until this Sunday. So, go early, go often. Dominoes.ca. All right. Hey, time to talk to the man who covers the Calgary Stampeders for the Calgary Sun. It is Danny Austin. Danny, there's no more talk of can they win the big one? Can they get over it? Are they regular season giants and fall? The Calgary Stampeders are the 106th Grey Cup champions. You covered this team all year. You're in the locker room after. Like, Was there relief? Was there just pure joy? Like, What was the feeling, finally getting that off their back, that they finally won it?
3: I mean, look, there, there were a lot of young guys on this team, so for them it wasn't relief, but... Uh you want to talk about the main guys we talk about when we talk about this team, the Alex Singleton, the Boley Mitchells, they head coach, Dave Dickinson, there was an overwhelming sense of relief. I mean, you could tell you lose three in a row. That's something people are going to talk about forever and ever and ever, especially yeah. when a lot of these guys will not be back next year. Um, at least we don't expect them to be back next year. So this is their last chance to kind of make this era of stampede football be remembered for something other than, um, you know, being losers in the great cup. So, uh, yeah, uh, a sense of relief, no question about it. Um, you know, they can, they can point to the process that they put their players through throughout the season and say, look, it does work. And uh, that's huge for the team. That's huge for the organization. And then, obviously, it's huge for the city of Calgary, too.
2: I think one of the, the stories that sometimes gets lost because of how dominant Calgary has been overall was just how much they had to overcome, Danny, this year. Like, if you were to tell me and you list, you're going to lose your top four, top five receivers on offense. You think you're done. It's over. They just kept having next man up, next man up, next man up, and kept doing it. Like, I don't think that gets talked about enough what they actually had to overcome.
3: I mean, I tried to talk about it, but, you know, <laughs> I'm the beat reporter here in Calgary, right. so I've got a, I've got a different audience. But yeah, I mean, it's absurd. I mean, in, in basically a three-week stretch, they lost Kamar Jordan, who I, I believe was the best receiver in the league this year. Um, then DeVaris Daniels went down. Then Mark and Michelle went down. Those are... Uh, DeVaris Daniels was most outstanding rookie in 2016. Mark Michelle was, was the nominee nominee for that award the next year, and then Reggie Bagleton, who stepped up and was getting you know 150 yards a game Bagel, once up. he had his opportunity, he went down. And that, that as you said, like that's impossible in yeah. some way to get over. Um, it, it, it's it's a miracle, and it's why for me when I look at no disrespect to Chris Jones, but the idea that he was uh, the coach of the year this year, given what Dave Dickinson had to basically start from scratch. I mean, bringing in Chris Matthews, bringing in Bakari Grant, Marquis sambles hadn't played a down. Um, and for them to you know, even win the West, let alone get into the Grey Cup and, and win there is, uh it's a huge, huge accomplishment. And I don't say that as a homer. I say that as someone who just follows football, and I've never seen anything like it.
2: No, I'm with you. And even the depth guys like Canadian from Mississauga, Joan Breskison stepping on, yep. right? Like five catches in the great cup game, not huge numbers, but became a reliable target for Bo Levi.
3: Well, and Joan Breskison probably shouldn't have been playing. I mean, he was nursing a pretty serious uh, groin injury, but yeah. they just needed him and you weren't going to keep him out of the lineup. So um, yeah. And the fact is like they did do it. They, they did just literally take October and start from scratch. And it's why I think that, there was no real internal panic when they lost three games in a row in October because they knew what they were building. I mean, there was panic from the outside among fans, among us in the media. We treated it as such, but they never really, really seemed to, um, you know, be worried that it at all that it was, you know, worth giving up. Basically, because they knew they needed to win one game to clinch first place in the West Division, and they did that in the last game of the season against the BC Lions, and then they knew they were going to get a bye week and really, you know, effectively treat that entire month like training camp and, uh, you know, just try to build something new and give Bo Levi Mitchell some sort of chemistry with these new receivers, which sort of sounds like a, you know, something people aren't interested in, but guys can't just step into professional football at the highest level and and play receiver. Um, You need to work with your quarterback. You need to have time you need to figure out each other's tendencies. And uh, it was a huge challenge to get it done.
2: Yeah, a remarkable accomplishment and story there. In conversation with Danny Austin, Stampeders reporter for the Calgary Sun on Twitter at DannyAustin underscore nine. Now, Danny, you tweeted out about Eric Rogers and that he is contemplating retirement. You said he wants to play next year, but the knee might not allow him to. And heck, if you have to go out as a great cup champ and the top receiver uh, in the game for Calgary, that's not a bad way to, to hang him up.
3: No, and I think anyone, I mean, when Eric Rogers is at his best, there's, there's no one in the CFL like him. He's just got that that length and that height, and he can out-jump any DP in the league. He's just such an amazing weapon for any any quarterback to have at his disposal. But the truth is he's got kids right now, young kids. And uh, I think that when you have those, you have a family, you do begin to look at it and say, if I do more damage, am I going to be able to play with my kids? Am I going to be able to run around? Am I going to be able to teach them to play football? And I think that's what's sort of going through Eric Rogers' mind. Um, I'm pretty sure the Stampeders would take what they got from him this year again next year. You know, he did need surgery mid-season in the great cup. He basically, uh, you know, was playing on one leg, as well as the West final where he tore his meniscus and then went back in and got a touchdown, which I think is one of those things that gradually over time is going to be sort of the stuff of legend uh, here in Calgary. And, uh, look, I you know, the league is better for having a guy like Eric Rogers around. He's a stand-up guy. Um, but I don't think anyone can fault him. If, as you said, he looks at it and says, "I got my my fairy tale ending. I I proved that I can come back after a difficult stretch in the NFL and you know win a great Cup. That's a that's a pretty big uh, accomplishment. And uh, I think it's, he's got a lot to be proud of. So he should do what's best for him, whatever that is.
2: And hopefully, for the, the sake of fans, and if it proves well for his health, only 27 years old, like Danny, if, if, if he if he comes, if he can get that right. Like, my goodness, right? Like, he could have a whole bunch more football ahead of him. But, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. You know what? You you have to do what's best for the family. And you said playing on one leg. That's even more remarkable because of the condition of that field where everybody was sliding all over the place in Edmonton.
3: It was a really, really – it was something – I'll be honest. Almost every damn that Eric was on the field, I was watching for that because I just thought this has the potential to go so, so badly. And, uh, you know – I, I really didn't want to see uh, a player who was put in the work, you know, and I think that's on both sides of the ball. I want to be clear. You just don't want to see anyone get hurt. And it's why that, that those field conditions were such a, a big concern, but uh, I don't know. He got through. Um, it's, it's something of a miracle. Um, I'm never really going to quite understand how he did it, but uh, he did play. And right after the game, when, when, you know, my mic wasn't on, he walked up to me and he was sort of apologized for misleading me throughout the week. And he just told me like, yeah, he was in a lot of pain. So um yeah good for good for Eric I guess.
2: Absolutely. Now I want to get your thoughts on the other side, the auto red black side of things. Final score of course 27-16. Not kind of the the uh, drama of a couple of years previous, but Trevor Harris had that six touchdown legendary record setting performance in the East Final. And we really looked coming in last week on CFL Weekly Danny, I was talking about that this is this was going to be a a career-setting moment for both of these quarterbacks? Not that each one could not overcome it, but at this time, because Trevor Harris coming off that try to win the big one, Bo Levi trying to get that championship after coming so close. What do you make as the Red Blacks as a whole with Trevor Harris and then moving forward into the next year?
3: I mean, I can't sit here and say that the Calgary Stampeders, which I did sort of for the last two years, they had those great cup losses, and I said, "Look, look, there's more that goes into a CFL season, and there's more that a quarterback should be evaluated on. Than just what happens in the Grey Cup, and I, I'll still maintain that with the Red Blacks. Um, they've done a heck of a job building from yeah. essentially scratch and, and being in three of the last four Grey Cups and winning one of them. Um, Trevor Harris was not great. There's, there's no getting around it. I, no, no. You know, you would have wanted a lot better from him. There were some passes that didn't go. But honestly, I watched this Calgary St. Peters defense all year, and the one thing you don't want to do is get in a position where you have to h- huck the ball downfield, and mm. you know. Hope for something lucky to happen against them because they were. It was the best unit. I mean, forget the offensive side of the ball. All around the league, there was no better defense, and there was no better just sort of defense or offensive unit than this Calgary-St. Peter's team. And they basically got the Red Blocks right where they wanted them. I mean, Trevor Harris had to had to push it and had to probably make some throws he didn't want to, and the St. Peter's DBs were waiting for them for him there, um, and made the interception. So it is. It has to reflect on Trevor Harris a little bit. But uh, if I'm a Red Blacks fan, I'm certainly not sitting there thinking this guy's a bad quarterback or not who I want leading the team. Because we saw what he's capable of in the yeah. East final, you know, when circumstances are a little bit
2: better. And Danny, you mentioned that, you know, this team could look different next year, right? Bo Levi Mitchell potentially going to the NFL, free agency, of course. Do you feel like this could be the end of this Calgary reign of dominance? Is it, is it solely based on Bo Levi Mitchell coming back?
3: no i mean i don't expect alex singleton to be in calgary next year um i don't expect michael johnson to be in calgary next year uh i expect Jameer Thurmond thurman to be in the nfl and when i say not in calgary I mean michael johnson might go somewhere else in the cfl sure. um but i expect singleton and singleton and, and Bo to be uh down south in the nfl um where they can just make more money and, and you know take that shot at the dream that they've had since being a kid and i don't think anyone's going to resent them for that no. but uh I expect this to be a very, very different Calgary-St. Peter's team next year. Um, does that mean I expect them necessarily to miss the playoffs? I don't know. I don't I think it's a little too early to see. And you, you, you have to give have a little faith in John Hafnagel because he's consistently just brought in players who are ready to go. Um, but with the CBA expiring and just with so many free agents, I think it's about 80% of the guys on the St. Peter's roster are free agents. It, I expect it to be a very different team next year. So yeah, it feels like the end of an era. It really does, and. uh you know, it was a pretty good era, all, all things considered. <laughs> two, yeah, two great cups in the last five years is uh, is pretty good. No other team did that.
2: That's that's all right, uh, Danny. Great mm-hmm. job covering the team this year. Let's do it again next season. Thanks, man.
3: You bet. Thanks so much, guys.
2: There he goes, Danny Austin covers the Stampeders for the Calgary Sun on Twitter at Danny Austin underscore nine. We'll take the break. And get caught up with our TSN CFL insider Dave Naylor. We'll talk expansion. We'll talk Grey Cup. We'll talk off-season storylines. That's next on CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Welcome back to CFL Weekly season finale episode here on TSN Radio across Canada. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at AndyMC81, Instagram at AndyMCSports. And folks, it's my favorite week of the year. They pop up every so often, and this is one of those weeks. It's 50% off week at Domino's, baby. How about that? 50% off any online regular price pizza order. So you just go over to Domino's.ca, order some pizza, 50% off. Doesn't matter the size, doesn't matter how many, doesn't matter how many toppings, whatever. Menu-priced online dominoes.ca 50% off but only until this Sunday so make sure you get there early and often perfect football food perfect anytime food really 50% off we get dominoes.ca that's dominoes.ca all right he was at the gray cup he's been doing a great job covering the league of course all season long TSN CFL insider Dave Naylor joins me now Dave, you're at the Grey Cup in Edmonton, the atmosphere. Take me through the lead-up, that festival period beforehand we know can be legendary, and then just the atmosphere at the game itself.
0: Well, one of the things, I, I guess just in terms of starting with the atmosphere of the games itself, some of the Grey Cups of recent years have been you know, in smaller stadiums, uh, for, even for Grey Cups. I mean, you go back two years ago at BMO Field, I and mean, they expanded the capacity. Uh, and they filled it, but it didn't have that kind of wow feel just in terms of the size of the stadium. And similarly last year in Ottawa, you know, again, a smaller capacity Grey cup just because of the way that stadium is configured and how many seats you can put into the end zone. But when you walk into Commonwealth Stadium and there's 55,000 people, and yeah, even though you're, you're in a game where, you know, there's not an obvious favor, there are lots of Stampeder fans there, but you know that the majority of the of the, the tickets were sold to people in Edmonton and they're not there they 're not necessarily red blacks fans and they 're sure not there to cheer on the <laughs> Stampeders. but yeah, it was a pretty good buzz just in just in the stadium you know, itself and in terms of in the city the Edmonton did a really good job I mean they took Jasper Avenue, which is one of the you know main uh thoroughs there, and they just shut it down uh, you know the street was just shut down, and they had you know, they—they they, it was adjacent to the convention center, close to the hotels, the restaurants. You know, they had the, the zip line, they had the skiing thing you could do, like this big uh, ski apparatus where you could ski down like part of a mountain in the middle of the street. Uh, they had other, you know, activities. It was—it was, you know, and the parties were in the were all kind of were all booming. You know, it was. It was I think the key to the to an event like that is just making sure everything's sort of concentrated in one area. And, they, and I say by shutting down Jasper Avenue or the main streets there, they really kind of managed to do that. And I think one of the criticisms you hear Edmonton is it, it's kind of, when it comes to downtown, it doesn't necessarily have a humming downtown. So they kind of, we were able to create that. And that was, they, the Eskimos organization did a terrific job. I'm sure they were disappointed they weren't in the playoffs this year, but um, you know, it, it once again proved a great CFL city.
2: Yeah, to not even be in the playoffs—that still blows me away, Dave. With all, all the talent, how that came out—just big picture-wise. Do you see any any drastic changes in Edmonton? Of course, the Mike Riley situation kind of looms, and if boy, if that if that changes, then everything gets mixed up.
0: Yeah, it really does. I mean, that's a that's a pivotal moment for this franchise. I mean, look, I'm glad they didn't blow it up. I think sometimes that's the easy thing to do. I mean, I often think that sometimes because six out of nine teams make the playoffs in the CFL teams feel like if they don't make the playoffs, well, they got to fire everybody because, you know, that's the, the expectation is in the CFL you will make the playoffs. But, I mean, that's one-third of the, the teams in the league don't make it. And sometimes, you know, like not as, – uh, as, as somebody once said, uh, you know, they play four games a week. You can't make more than four teams win. Four are going to win and four are going to lose, no matter how well they're coached and how well they're prepared. And the Eskimos were definitely a strange team that way. I mean, to – to miss the playoffs, they had fifty one offensive touchdowns this year. the Saskatchewan Rough riders had twenty five and won the and won twelve games nearly won the division so uh, yeah they weren't horrible on defense they was just sometimes you see teams that they their their plague over the course of the season doesn't translate into more wins and I would say the two teams that stood out for me this year in the CFL were Hamilton and Edmonton, you know, which were both right around that five hundred number uh, you know lost a lot of close games they just just to say we're – were better teams than maybe the, uh, the record reflected, and in the Eskimos' case, playing in the West, that cost them.
2: In conversation with TSN CFL insider Dave Naylor on Twitter at TSN Dave Naylor. Okay, Dave, let's dive back into the game itself. Grey Cup MVP Bo Levi Mitchell. You got a piece up, video up on TSN.ca, saying talking about, hey, could this be? Could this be it? Could this be Bo Levi's swan song in the CFL at least for now, as he might make a push. To the NFL. Uh, do you have any other insight you can share on that of uh, the, the likelihood of him actually trying out and, and seeing where his NFL journey might take him?
0: I, I think it's very much an open question. I mean, there have been players that when they finished their CFL contracts, you know that there was going to be a bidding war for them or they were gone. I mean, I, I thought it was a pretty good certainty with Brandon Zilster last year, the Edmonton Eskimos who ended up getting multiple offers and ultimately signing with the Minnesota Vikings. Certainly need to go back a few years earlier when Cameron Wake went. Uh, you know, he got the biggest signing bonus of a, a former CFL player I think since Warren Moon. But I don't think Bo well, Levi Mitchell is going to be in that situation, just because you know he's first of all he's 28 years old, which is you know mid-career uh, even for for a quarterback, maybe even early career for these days, which so is as long as guys go. But you look at also who's lighting up the NFL. You know, it's it's the, the formula that GMs want to take is. You know, get me a high draft pick. Let me get my guy, and we can get really good on his arm like we can with uh, Patrick Mahomes, like we can with Jared Goff, like we can with Carson Wentz. I mean, those kind of situations. So you got to measure Levi Mitchell against the class of quarterbacks that are coming out and what kind of commitment they're going to be able to make. To the big thing that NFL people love when they're going after CFL players is is youth because they know it's going to be a year or two till they develop. So you got to think. If a team signs believe Levi Mitchell and they see him as a two- or three-year development project just in terms of adjusting to the NFL and becoming familiar, you're talking about a guy who, couldn't be, who might not be starting in the league until he's 30 or 31, if at all. Hmm. So, you know, if, if somebody can sign him purely as a reserve, I mean, look at when Ricky Ray went early in his career, I think he dressed for six games for the New York Jets and the rest of it was on the practice roster. So the question is going to be if the Bo Levi Mitchell opportunity is – one like Ricky Ray with the Jets 10 years ago or so, um, you know, is he going to want that opportunity? Or is he happy enough in Calgary? Is the money going to be good enough? It's certainly going to be in excess of half a million dollars a season uh, that that he doesn't want to go down and toil that way. The, the one thing I know about Bully by Mitchell is that he's never been in the NFL camp. You know, a lot of guys, by the time they come to Canada, They've done the NFL camp thing. They've done the practice roster thing. They've kicked around a bit, been there, done that, seen it. You know, Mike Riley, certainly, Travis Lutoway. I mean, those guys did that before they came north. Bo has never been in an NFL camp. So, from what I understand, that may sort of drive his curiosity a little bit, just to see how he would compete. And if you go back to another Calgary Stampede quarterback of, you know, a Two years ago, Jeff Garcia, I mean, when he went, it was not, you know, here's the lineup for Jeff Garcia and he's going to be a pretty good NFL quarterback. It was more along the lines of the way people are speculating about Bully by Mitchell. So I expect if there is a legitimate opportunity, he'll take it. Um, but I expect if he doesn't stick or that opportunity isn't a good one, there's no doubt to me that he would be a Calgary stampede He's just been such a fit in that city. And I know he's a free agent and other teams would certainly be interested, but uh, I would say, my, there's still a pretty good chance, I think, to believe by Mitchell, if not right away, then someday is again a Calgary stampede.
2: That's a fascinating situation you bring up there, Dave, because, yeah, it could go two ways. Is he curious to see how the NFL process is or if it's like, well, you know, I can be the big fish here and still make good money, especially with, at least on paper... The draft class of quarterback coming into the NFL next year does not look strong. You know, there's always a riser like a, mm-hmm. a Josh Allen sure. or, or a Carson Wentz, right? But if it's not strong, maybe this is the time for him to think, all right, heck, you know what? There's some teams that need some quarterbacks.
0: Well, it's, it's like any situation in in life. I think you evaluate it and say, what's the risk? What's the reward? Yeah. Okay, the risk for him is pretty small because the day Bowley I mentioned says I'm coming back to the Canadian Football League. You know, yeah, there's, there's, I guess the only risk would be if, if Calgary moves on in some way and they're successful with someone else and they don't want to pay him but someone else. I'm just, and I'm just trying to come up with a scenario where, you know, somebody's playing quarterback for Calgary next year while well, Bo's in the NFL. They're doing really well. He comes back. Someone puts else puts a huge – someone who's having a horrible season puts a huge number in front of him and Calgary can't justify it because they're having success with that. I, I think that's a very unlikely scenario. Ryan Farhan Lalji, my colleague at TSN, reported that even if both signs an NFL deal, they're going to try and save Bunny to be able to do a deal with him if and when he came back, you know, sort of late summer, early fall, which, again, I think makes, makes some sense to at least be you know, make sure that they're in that competition. Um, but it does put them in a really difficult spot. I mean, If he signs an NFL deal, is he gone forever or is he gone for four months? Hmm. And how do you plan around that? So that's a really, really tricky situation when the position is is so pivotal at a quarterback. But for Bo Levi Mitchell, it's like, why not take your shot, right? The reward is, you know, if you get an opportunity, let's say you compete for number two job and you get it, your starter gets hurt, you become sort of Jeff Garcia, who sort of fell into that number one role. I mean, I don't know the number in my head of how much money Jeff Garcia made in his NFL career, but it's a lot, you know? And so if Bo Levi Levi Mitchell – do that? Sure, he could, and, it, and it'll have less to do with his ability and more to do with you know, the circumstances that, that he that he finds himself in, and whether he ever gets to play himself out into that kind of role. Um, but the risk is so is so minimal. Now, the biggest risk would be, you know, that maybe somehow he doesn't end up back in Calgary. But I think that's a minimal risk. And you know, in terms of his CFL salary or opportunity, there's no risk because you know the day he comes back across the border, uh, there, you know, there'll be teams lined up for him.
2: Sure, sure, and Dave, let's uh, leave on this point with the they got a name. The Atlantic Schooners, we know, is the name of the a potential expansion uh, a team, the tenth team for the CFL. Can you update our listeners? Because I'm getting tweets. i like, okay, are they in next year? Is this official? Like, what? Well, where? Where are we at? They got the name, but what's next?
0: Uh, but what has to happen? They don't even have the franchise on a conditional basis. I mean, they've they've got they've signed agreements with the league about things that they need to do and things like that. But there's no formal you know, allocation of a franchise, even conditionally to this group. They've just been given sort of steps and things that they sign off that they need to do. Right. But, you know, the big piece is, is just getting further down the road on the stadium. I mean, they're trying to build a $190 million stadium out there to finance that. You need to go to 8 to $10 million a year annually. Uh, they've got to work through some models with the province, with the regional government. How much are they putting in? That's basically where this stage is at. And in terms of when they're playing, the earliest they would play would be 2020. And that would be if they played in Moncton for a year, I think, where there is a stadium that you could use kind of for a season. Okay. Uh, the Halifax project is is more of a 2021. Uh, just having lived through these things before, um, whatever date they, they project, you usually don't get to on time because there's things that can slow down the process that you can't see right now. So, you know, we could be still a few years away from this, but there's a lot of momentum behind it. There's there's political support. Uh, you know, they're, they're taking deposits on season tickets and, and they still have in the most optimistic of scenarios they could play in by twenty twenty. But as I say, I think it's much more likely it's you know, twenty twenty one at the earliest. But again, they, they still have hold the hell of the idea that they might play a year in Moncton that they try to again capture the regional fan base and then move to Halifax the next year. But maybe they end up doing that in twenty twenty and then moving to Halifax and or start moving, doing that in twenty twenty one and going to Halifax in twenty twenty two. All kinds of scenarios and timelines out there just in terms of how long this would take. But
2: they do
0: have a, and a, they have a name. They
2: have a name. Well, it, that is such a fun process to track. Dave, great work, mm-hmm. as always, throughout the CFL season. And uh, fans and, and listeners, of course, can track your work on the NFL now as you kind of reboot there on Twitter at TSN Dave Naylor. Thanks a lot, man.
0: Thanks a lot, Andy. Take care.
2: There he is, Dave Naylor from the CFL on TSN. We will take the break, come back to wrap up the show. The season two finale of CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Hungry? Domino's has you covered. Grab any medium Feast pizza for only 10.99 or dive into our delivery and carryout specials at dominos.ca. Domino's is more than just pizza. Try our delicious side dishes like pasta and chicken wings and don't forget our irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Perfect food for the big game, if you're in a hurry or just because. Check out all the great deals at dominos.ca. That's dominos.ca. Back to wrap up the season two finale edition of CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at AndyMC81. It's 50% off. week at Domino's, folks. Go get it. Go get yourself some 50% off pizza. All you do, domino's.ca, any regular menu price pizza until this Sunday. off. Whatever toppings you want, however many you want, however many pizzas or sizes you want, go to dominoes.ca. Let's check in with my good buddy from the CFL.ca and TSN Radio, Mr. Matthew Cause. Matt, let's begin with my hard-hitting Domino's Pizza Twitter poll question at andymc81. I hope you can handle it. It's which off-season CFL storyline are you most interested in following? Is it the possible quarterback movement? Is it CFL rule changes? Head coaching hiring and firings, or the Maritimes expansion. Which are you most interested in?
4: Oh, it's not even close. It's the quarterbacks right now. Trevor Harris, Oh Levi Mitchell, uh, Mike Riley. You're talking about Grey Cup winners, MOPs, all becoming free agents. Will they end up on other CFL teams? Will they end up in the NFL? And if so, like what happens to Calgary? You know, they don't. What's their backup plan? Will this be the first year they don't win? thirteen to fifteen games. Um the schooners thing I'm gonna wait until it actually happens before I get excited, uh until there's actual money in it and commitment. Right. So um yeah, for me it's easy. It's all the quarterbacks that potentially
2: are on the move. The leader in the clubhouse so far is actually the Maritimes expansion at fifty eight percent if you can what? believe it. Isn't that crazy?
4: Yeah, I mean that's ridiculous and Zach Caleros, another quarterback. Um and yeah. it, We've seen this and heard this so many times. We're closer now for Atlantic expansion than ever before. Mm-hmm. But until, you know, the business groups, the people in ch- the people that are interested, until they actually say, yeah, we're willing to spend the money, then I-, I can't get too excited beyond, hey, we got a name and a Twitter account. I need more than that.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, i got to follow that one. Right. Thanks for the reminder. I want to stick with that QB movement because you are 100% right, in my opinion, because, okay, you got, as you said, Saskatchewan, in addition to the names you had on, what the heck is Toronto going to do at quarterback? Ricky Ray, there's no way he comes back. And if he does, you know he's probably going to get injured. Franklin didn't yeah. do anything. He didn't prove anything. Uh, uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, he proved overtime. He can't do it. Like The Argos situation is so wide open. And then but the Alouettes have like four quarterbacks on the roster, including Johnny Manziel.
4: Yeah, and, and, and just before the end of the season, they they extended contract extensions yeah. to a bunch of those other quarterbacks, whose names, everyone forgets like the Pipkins of the world. And, you know, um, so you're right. It, it, it's, I mean, the price for these guys is going to go up because there's going to be desperation. And if you're Montreal and Toronto where, you know, especially Toronto, where you're going to be looking for it. And, you know, Montreal, if you could get like a Mike Riley, would you do that? Because, you know, the, their attendance certainly has fallen in hard times the last two years, but you signed Johnny Manziel. And, and then there's the other side. If, Mike Riley's gone. Who's the replacement at Edmonton? Right. I mean, look how good they've been over the last decade. Same thing with Calgary. So it's not just teams that need quarterbacks. It's what's going to happen to these established Western powers if they lose their number one amulet for the – that they draw their power from, the quarterback.
2: Well, yeah, and let's talk about the BC Lions. Travis Lule, yeah, you know, in spot duty, he's been tremendous, but he can't stay healthy. Jonathan Jennings is far from a sure thing. Mike Riley, his and Jennings is another one.
4: And Jennings is another quarterback who could be is going to be a free agent.
2: Sure, and for Jennings, like, where is he? He hasn't done much the, the past couple of years. And Mike Riley's family's from the West Coast. You have that, like, does he go? And then as you said, where does Edmonton? One name that just popped into my head too, Matt, a guy that flash, and if a team gets a little desperate and behind in the quarterback hunt, if bodies start moving, what about Stone Cold Chris Strevler out there in Winnipeg, right? Hey, Winnipeg might trade him. He might be able to fleece somebody who's desperate. I don't know.
4: Yeah, and it makes sense. Strevler had some really nice moments, and then, had you know, we certainly... Um, like he burst on that scene. I think it was like the Edmonton game, the first couple of weeks of the right. season. Um, but then he was an inconsistent passer and certainly wasn't, you know, the accuracy you'd want, but again, he's young. Maybe you look at him and go, okay, he came out of nowhere and we've seen his development. Maybe uh, some teams look at him and go, okay, there's a lot of potential there. Um, and You know, the one, name that, the, the one guy that really disappointed me. One was Jonathan Jennings. I was expecting big things, but the other was James Franklin. And that one, I wonder how much of that was on him and how much of that was on the Argonauts coaching staff. Mark Trestman wasn't the hugest James Franklin fan, and I don't think he got enough of a, uh, enough of a run. Um, I, I, so beyond the big names, that's sort of the little name. I wonder what's he going to do uh, after you know a pretty disastrous 2018.
2: Well, and that all comes in connection with who the next coach of the Argonauts is going to be. Somebody who appreciates the skill set that, that Franklin brings to the table, or are they somebody who wants something else? Like, that job is, is wide open. And, and, and really, Matt, I, I'm, the Argos are one of the more interesting off-season teams because they're one year removed from a Grey Cup championship. Ricky Ray goes down, they fall apart. Like, they still have some pieces to be competitive. It really just, to me, it comes down to that quarterback situation and who the heck's going to be leading them.
4: Yeah, oh yeah, it's. Uh, it reminds me of a couple of years ago. Remember when they lost? You know, they got rid of their general manager and their coach, and we had no idea. And then Pop and Tressman sweep in, and right. and then everything. Uh, then everything was fixed for the one year. It feels like we're sort of back there. And the one perception I always have of the Argonauts, we always look at them as, well, they won the Great Cup, but then they came in last this year. Mm-hmm. Well, what if two years ago in the Eastern Finals, what if Ricky Ray doesn't hit James Wilder on that third and four? Uh, late in the game, you know, that led to the, the game-winning touchdown. I mean, you know, that, that play usually could have been an incomplete pass. Sure. Then I think we're viewing Toronto as they're further far behind than maybe we imagine.
2: Interesting. In conversation with Matthew Cause from the CFL.ca and so many other things, TSN Radio. Uh, of course, the Matt Talks Wine and Stuff with Interesting People podcast. And Matt, I will get to that in a, a couple of minutes. I will, because that's a fascinating podcast. But when you you look at... What the uh, for for let's say the um, the Argonauts and in really that whole East division, it's still a two horse race like Ottawa had a bad game in that great cup, right? Like at Trevor Harris. But heck, it's still them in Hamilton. There's nothing at this point to say that they can't be right back in this thing next year. Oh, no, the
4: division between those two teams is huge. And let's face it, Ottawa made, you know, there was a couple drops, a couple mistakes, and if if they don't allow a punt return touchdown at the end of the half with literally zeros on the clock, it might have been a different game. And as for Hamilton, how much better would they have been if – you know, if Chris Banks had been healthy and you look at Hamilton and the disparity they had in terms of yards gained versus yards given up, they were very much in the positive. Like, there's a lot of numbers that scream that Hamilton will be just as good, if not better, next year. And at least they have, they have one thing that almost no team has stability. They've got Masoli for another year. So, oh, yeah, there, there's a huge gap right now between Hamilton and the Ottawa Red Blacks. Versus, um, uh, the, you know, versus the Argonauts of Montreal, unless of course Trevor Harris leaves, and then you know, uh-huh. then well, it's all know. chaos.
2: Yeah, then it's all chaos. One interesting, uh, kind of CFL alumni note south of the border. How about Scott Milanovic getting uh upgraded to from quarterback coach to offensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars, a job with Cody Kessler. Matt, that I don't know if I would want. Is that an upgrade? Is
4: that, is, is that? I mean, is that, you know what that reminds me of? And we see this in all professions when you're given a promotion, but you don't get any more money, and you don't have yeah. to work twice as many hours. Like it sort of feels like that, and it sort of feels like, okay, Milanovic, let's see what you can do. But you're kind of kind of be walking the uh, the, the plank. I mean, Jacksonville's offense is. Uh, listen, we knew it was horrible last in the AFC Championship game when they didn't allow Blake Bortles to throw the ball, and then they extended Blake Bortles. I mean, uh-huh. that's some hell of a franchise building going on there. Um, I wish him the best. I hope he can turn it around. And obviously, it's a much bigger stage and a much better position, but this one feels like Admiral Ackbar in Return of the Jedi. This
2: feels like a trap. It feels like a trap, especially with uh, the um, career start uh, starting record of Cody Kessler, who's 0-8. and 8. Yeah. I mean, You have as many wins, man. And, and so, what's so the- hey— why
4: not? And what, and what about Bortles' contract? How many years are they on, oh. on, on the hook with him? Like,
2: what yeah, they, what they, their deal. regression is just huge. Yeah, so Scott Milanovic, actually, hey, if they clean house, who knows, right? If he doesn't stick in the NFL, yeah. I might see him popping back up north of the border. Who knows here? Uh, in conversation with Matthew Cause of TSN, of CFL.ca, now, uh, and on Twitter, at mcause 56 Now, Matt, if I saw, and you were uh, not shy about showing on, on your Twitter that, now, I don't know, were you the champion picks guy on cfl.ca did you actually win that because i knew you were in the lead
4: oh did I, did I mention that at all except for obnoxiously like every other pick. yes for the second year in a row i beat out really smart journalists i beat out former quarterbacks who break down every play so the guy for the second year in a row with the best picks record was little old gas bag me yeah. which proves that uh, uh, anyone can do it and remember kids when in doubt bet against montreal toronto bet bet on calgary yep and you're well on your way to winning the pick correct, uh, picks contest for the CFL.
2: Is there a prize? Or Is there a trophy, a championship ring? What are we talking here? Just bragging right there? No, it just, means, it, yeah,
4: it just means every now and then I get to make fun of Marshall Ferguson. Nice. That's pretty much about it. That, that's okay. That's okay.
2: Uh, Matt, <laughs> yeah. Matt, a great <laughs> season of work, buddy. Thank you so much. And, of course, follow him on Twitter at MCOS56. Thanks a lot, man. Hey, absolutely. Be great the show, sir. There he goes, and there we go for the 2018 CFL season. That's it, folks. That is it. Thank you so much to our terrific sponsor, Domino's, all season long for season two. And, man, it's been a heck of a ride. The off season will be shorter than you think, so stay tuned. Follow me on Twitter at AndyMC81. You miss any of the show, the show page on your local TSN radio station and on iTunes. So that will do it. Thanks so much to producer Sean Lavery, who's done a stellar job all season long. You've been listening to CFL Weekly Season 2 Finale across the TSN radio network.